Gloria McDonald did not consider herself an outdoorsy person, but when her husband wanted to go hiking in the Washita National Forest, she saw it as an opportunity to spend time with family. On January 26, 2001, Gloria, her husband Daniel, along with her stepson and his girlfriend, who were visiting from Florida, drove up to Queen Wilhelmina Park. They wanted to visit a hiking spot in a scenic overlook known as Lover's Leap. They parked near the lodge, which was nearly empty since it was off-season, and started down the trail. This trail wasn't a difficult one, and it was just going to be a mile or so walk. But once they started down the path, there were some fallen trees that made the hike slightly more challenging than usual. Gloria decided to head back to the lodge and let her family go on without her. When her family returned, they couldn't find Gloria anywhere in or around the lodge. They also noticed that their car was still right where they had left it, still locked up with Gloria's belongings still inside. Gloria was nowhere to be found. Where is Gloria McDonald? Welcome back to the Where Are They podcast. If you are new here, our podcast goal is to spread awareness of unsolved missing person cases, oftentimes cases you might not have heard of before. Gloria McDonald was a 68-year-old woman living in Mena, Arkansas when she vanished. She had been married to her husband for just a short time, about a year, when she disappeared. Theories of her case and what happened to her have divided families and friends. It seems there are as many people who believe Gloria met with foul play as there are people who think there was some type of accident and she went missing in the Washita Mountains. But in 20 years, there are still no answers as to Gloria's whereabouts or what may have happened on that cold January day. Before we jump into Gloria McDonald's story, I have a few announcements about the show. For those of you on Patreon with us, we do have a few bonus episodes coming up in the next couple weeks. I know we have been off schedule the last few weeks, and I'm so sorry. There has been a lot going on, and hopefully we are close to being back on our regular schedule soon. If you are not part of our detective group on Patreon and are interested in joining us, and getting yourself some free podcast merch, bonus episodes, and some other cool perks, you can check us out at patreon.com slash wherearetheypodcast. Also, of course, as a regular reminder, please give us a follow on Instagram at the Where Are They Podcast and on Facebook. Just search Where Are They Podcast to find our page over there. Raising our numbers on those channels really helps these cases get more exposure. And we do share updates, news, and other important information as it comes up. 
If you want to recommend a case that you'd like to see covered, maybe from your hometown or just one that you think needs more attention, you can email me at canwefindthem at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram. Today's feature partner is ButcherBox. I'm super excited to feature them this week. Are you tired of always wondering what's for dinner? Grabbing takeout because there's nothing in the fridge or freezer? ButcherBox is your answer to high quality meats being delivered right to your door with prices you can actually afford. ButcherBox only works with companies and farmers that are dedicated to doing things right. Meat and seafood are sourced only from partners that offer the highest quality and meet the highest standards. 100% grass-fed beef, free-range organic chicken, and wild-caught seafood ensure you're getting only the best. What I love is that you can curate your own box based on your needs and even choose your shipping schedule, which can be changed at any time. Make life easier on yourself. Have a box delivered to you so you can keep your freezer stocked with healthy options for you and your family. Save money with unnecessary trips to the store and save on ordering takeout because you didn't have time to go shopping. The best part is, if you use our referral link in the show notes, you can receive ground beef for life. Yes, you heard that correctly, for life, as well as $30 off your first box. Shipping is always free. Again, go grab yourself free ground beef for life and $30 off your first box by using the link in our show notes. Lastly, if you are watching this on YouTube, please give the video a thumbs up and subscribe to the channel. This also really helps these cases reach more people. If you are listening on your favorite podcast platform and you like the show, we appreciate your five-star ratings and reviews. Now, let's get back to the case of Gloria McDonald. Gloria and her husband Daniel had recently moved to Mena, Arkansas. Gloria had grown up in New York and then later Texas, and when she and Daniel married, they lived in Florida for a while before moving to the small town of Mena, Arkansas. Gloria found a job as a news reporter for the local newspaper and was a well-liked friend to many in the area. Interestingly, Mena, Arkansas was the setting for a well-known crime in the 1980s involving drug smuggler Barry Seal. Mena, Arkansas seems like a random place for a large drug operation, but I suppose that's the point. Barry Seal's life and illegal drug activities were the inspiration of a 2017 movie starring Tom Cruise. Barry was a TWA pilot that flew missions for the CIA, and eventually he would become a drug smuggler for the Medellin cartel in the 1980s. To avoid authorities, Seal and his family relocated to the remote town of Mena, Arkansas. The small town gradually becomes wealthy as the hub of U.S. cocaine trafficking. Seal had so much money that he buried suitcases full of cash in his backyard. And all of this taking place in the small town of Mena the same small town where Gloria McDonald would become a news reporter in the year 2000. Mena, Arkansas is located in the Washita Mountains of Arkansas, just a few miles from the Oklahoma border. The mountains are part of the Washita National Forest, 
which consists of 1.8 million acres. I cannot even wrap my head around the vastness of 1.8 million acres. The area is known for camping, hiking, mountain biking, and all kinds of outdoor activities. In January, however, it is considered off-season, and visitors to the park are scarce. On January 26, 2001, Daniel and Gloria had out-of-town visitors. Daniel's son from a previous marriage, Sean, and his girlfriend, Erin, were visiting from Florida. The four would head out for some breakfast in Mina, and then they were going to go for a hike at the Queen Wilhelmina Park. The park is about 12 miles to the north of Mina. They had specific plans to hike the Lover's Leap Trail. They arrived and they parked at the Queen Wilhelmina Lodge, which is where the Lover's Leap Trail begins. The trail is just over a mile long and takes hikers to a beautiful and scenic overlook. The lodge was nearly empty that day. It was a Friday morning, but there was just one overnight guest registered in the lodge and just a few maintenance workers and lodge employees on site. It was off season for the park, so that was pretty much a typical January day at the lodge. The family parked in the almost empty parking lot and started off towards the trail. At 68 years old, Gloria was in good health and enjoyed being active. She exercised and kept in shape regularly. However, she was not an outdoorsy person. When they were just 100 yards or so down the trail, the group encountered some fallen branches and debris that would need to be crossed over. Earlier that month, there had been some snow and ice storms, and this was likely a result of that storm. Gloria decided at that time that the hike wasn't for her. She told the family she would head back to the lodge and visit the gift shop, maybe the restaurant, and she would meet them when they were done with their hike. She said goodbye to her husband, stepson, and his girlfriend and headed back towards the parking lot where they had just parked. Daniel, Sean, and Aaron continued their hike to Lover's Leap. They returned to the lodge and searched for Gloria, but they didn't see her in either the restaurant or the gift shop. They go check out their car, but it is still locked up and in the same spot as they left it. It also still had Gloria's purse in it, which I find super weird. If she had intended to go to the restaurant or do some shopping in the lodge, I would think she would have gone to the car first to grab her purse. They look in and around the lodge some more, but still nothing. They start asking employees if anyone had seen her. Most had not, but one maintenance man said he did believe he might have seen a redheaded woman in a yellow jacket, which does describe Gloria and what she was wearing. Eventually, police are called and a missing person report is filed. The next day, January 27th, the Arkansas State Police special agents were called in to assist. Search and rescue dogs were brought in and helicopters conducted searches from the air. But nothing was discovered. There was absolutely no sign of Gloria McDonald. The dogs at one point did pick up a possible scent, which followed a paved path from behind the lodge down to a road. 
It was there that the dogs lost the scent. The police were really baffled. With no signs of foul play, they started looking into Gloria's life. Some speculated that maybe her role as a news reporter had something to do with her disappearance. Had she recently covered a controversial case? Was she maybe involved in investigating the infamous Barry Seal for an article? Maybe someone was out to get her because of her role in reporting something. Police did look into that angle and friends scoured through all of her notes at work, but found nothing. Police also learned that Daniel and Gloria had only recently moved to Mina from Cedar Key, Florida, just six months prior. A search began in Cedar Key as people wondered if maybe Gloria had just had enough of Mina and had to get away. Yet, still no signs of Gloria. Of course, investigators begin questioning Daniel right away. Daniel cooperated, but was angry that they were spending so much time interrogating him instead of out there looking for his wife. He knew he would be the prime suspect, and from the beginning, he demanded they give him a polygraph. Finally, the police did administer a polygraph test, and according to law enforcement, he passed. Still, his behavior was odd during the days that followed his wife's disappearance. He didn't seem overly worried or concerned about her, but more agitated and annoyed with everything going on. He is even quoted as saying something to the effect of he couldn't imagine anyone would have abducted his wife for her body because she certainly couldn't be considered pretty. Um, what? That is one of the worst comments I've heard yet from a spouse in a missing persons case. And I've heard some doozies. Daniel's son would defend his father, saying that he is just that kind of person. He sometimes says things the wrong way or says anything that's on his mind without thinking and often is just misunderstood, but he's still a very loving and caring person. Now, the police had to look at every angle here because they had zero evidence to go on. Was she lost in the mountains or in the forest? Did she walk away from the group on the trail and something caught her eye, taking her off trail, causing her to become lost? Was she injured? Was she hurt? Or maybe she planned a getaway? Maybe something was going on in her life personally that she needed to escape? Was she ever even in the mountains or at the Queen Wilhelmina Lodge and the park to begin with? Just a week later, Daniel announced that he was moving back to Florida. One week after his wife disappeared and this man decides to move away. This really baffles me because what if she did just become lost on the mountain? What if she was out there injured? You are just going to up and leave her there as her husband? But Daniel claimed that he just knew she was dead and he wasn't going to stay in Mina where the whole town would think of him as the man who killed his wife. Even though he continued to proclaim his innocence and he stuck to his story, he knew what everyone was thinking and he wasn't going to stick around and endure it. So he left Mina, Arkansas for good. The police would continue to investigate 
and multiple theories were discussed and considered. Theory number one, Gloria planned to leave. The little glimpse we saw of her husband, Daniel, wasn't great, to be honest, and maybe Gloria had had enough and just planned to leave Daniel and start fresh somewhere else. That could explain why she started out on the hike and then said she was going to go back. Did she maybe arrange for a friend or family member to pick her up so she could escape? Gloria's daughter, who has tried to stay out of the media as much as possible, did once tell a reporter early on that she felt her mom was dead. But could she have said that because she didn't want to encourage anyone to search for her? We really don't know. But what I can say is, if this is what happened to Gloria McDonald, she did a fantastic job of covering her tracks and staying in hiding. Theory number two, Gloria became lost on the mountain. Many people who know of her case believe this is likely what happened. Even people who are very familiar with the Washita Forest and the Lover's Leap Trail itself. The Washita Forest is so vast, and there are so many areas that are dangerous. There are steep drop-offs, dense woods, and many have said it would be easy to become lost if you went off-trail. Others, however, have disputed that, saying that they would have found her by now. But there have been cases where bodies have been found in the wilderness years later because they found themselves in an obscure location. Could Gloria have fallen down an embankment somewhere, gotten herself in a spot where no one could see her and succumbed to the elements or even the fall itself? Sure, I do suppose it's a possibility. They did have search dogs out there, however, so I would question how they didn't pick up a scent or find her. But using search dogs isn't an absolute. Sometimes they just don't pick up a scent. Theory number three, foul play. The actions of others in the case have caused some concern in the community. Daniel himself, by his actions, his own words, and then his decision to move just one week after Gloria vanished, has a lot of people pointing the finger at him. And many question whether Gloria was even in the park at all that day. Was that just a possible cover-up story? I do have questions when it comes to this theory. For one, that would mean that Daniel's son, Sean, and his girlfriend, Erin, were in on something and are guilty of a cover-up. And if that's the case, why? Why would Daniel get them involved when they could possibly get in trouble themselves over this? And why would they even want to be involved? And if Gloria was never in the park... Where was the possible crime scene at? I do think this theory is definitely a likely one, but there are so many questions left unanswered. Theory number four, Missing 411. This is the now famous series by David Politis investigating mysterious disappearances in national parks and forests throughout the United States. If you aren't familiar with David Politis and the Missing 411 books and docuseries, they focus on the really bizarre and unexplained cases 
of people vanishing specifically in national parks and national land. Polinus encourages people to step outside of their comfort zone with their beliefs and consider some rather unconventional theories of what is happening to these people. Many of his theories and studies center around the possibility of Bigfoot or other unknown creatures or entities out there. Even some talk of some portals that people might have fallen into. As you can imagine, it's fairly controversial with many people disputing all of these theories, but he also has a great number of followers and believers too. And the missing 411 theories are often brought up in connection with this case. After all, a woman vanishes into thin air in a national forest, zero clues, zero evidence, definitely fits the parameters of cases discussed in his books and and documentaries. Here are some interesting quotes I did find from those closest to Gloria that was sent to reporters in the early days of her disappearances. And media coverage is extremely limited. I couldn't find any news reports or video interviews, but I was able to find a couple of archived articles. Gloria's daughter was quoted saying, the first thing I think is that more than likely she's dead. I know my mom. If someone did get her into a car, she would have mouthed off so much that they would have had to kill her. Daniel, the husband, who also believes Gloria is dead, had this to say when announcing he was leaving Mena, Arkansas, and moving to Florida. I don't want to be the guy in Mena whose wife was killed on the mountain. Daniel also said, In my mind, she's dead. I think she saw something she shouldn't have seen, so they took her. Or maybe she was snatched up by someone and tossed into one of these buildings. Lastly, a quote from a close friend of Gloria's. If she's dead, we need to find her. If she's alive and wants to be found, we need to find her. And if she's alive and doesn't want to be found, then we need to let her be. Another interesting fact I learned while researching this case is that Gloria was Daniel's second wife. His first wife died in their home due to natural causes. And people have come out and questioned that, however, since Gloria disappeared. But I do want to clarify there is no investigation involving the death of his first wife and everything people are saying seems to be pure speculation that there is even anything to question there. So this is a strange one. Little to go on really, but just gut feelings. Gloria McDonald has been missing for 20 years. She went for a hike with her family and vanished. And in these 20 years, there have been no new clues to go on regarding her whereabouts. And Gloria would now be 88 years old. Gloria was last seen on January 26, 2001, near Mena, Arkansas, or Queen Wilhelmina 
Lodge and Park. Gloria is described as being 5 foot 6 and 120 pounds at the time of her disappearance. She was wearing a blue plaid flannel shirt, a glossy bright yellow hooded jacket, blue jeans, sneakers, rose-tinted glasses. She also had on a plain gold wedding band, a platinum ring, and a three and a half carat sapphire ring. She also might have been wearing a necklace with a cross pendant and possibly a small sized gold ring. It's possible that Gloria was also still carrying her Minolta Riva Zoom 90 camera with a serial number of 409-07425 at the time of her disappearance. If you have any knowledge of Gloria McDonald's whereabouts or any information on her case at all, please contact the Polk County Sheriff's Office at 501-394-2511 or the Arkansas State Police at one 800 553-3820. Someone has to know something. Where is Gloria McDonald? Please share her case and her name any way you can. Gloria would now be 88 years old. It's time for answers. It's well past time for answers. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Where Are They? and listening to Gloria's story. As a reminder, please send me any feedback or case suggestions to canwefindthem at gmail.com and be sure you are following us on Instagram and Facebook for case updates, announcements, and other news. We do continue to follow all of the cases we cover and hopefully as time progresses, we will have more updates for you and maybe even some answers on some of them. A big thank you again to ButcherBox, this week's featured partner. Please check them out if you are interested in some top quality organic grass-fed meats delivered right to your door. As always, thank you so much for the continued support of our show and for listening to the stories of the missing, the stories that need to be heard. We will be back again next week with another episode of Where Are They? And until then, stay safe and hug your loved ones.